No. Yeah, the song continues. Um, the Hive of Hoes. She ain't never meet Beto Fuerte. Bay's Hive can go to Hades, okay? Don't ever let them hear you say that. I'm recording, I'm recording by the way. Oh, Don't okay. ever let them hear you say that. You know, I mean, Bay can come for me, but, you know, she can't fight the truth. <laughs> What up, mi gente? It's Vero Fuerte. Yo, the Pacar Americano, aka Mexicanatsu. And we're here to help you navigate the world as two Hispanics, Latinos, Latinx, brown people. What are we again? Well, that's what we're here to discover on the In the Spanish podcast. Each week, you'll listen in on two millennial minorities chop it up on what it means to navigate both cultures on and off the internet. Along with the latest in music, movies, and more. Here, here on, on the, the In Living Spanish podcast. podcast. Yo, what up? Hello, it is Vero Fuerte once again here with another episode of In Living Spanglish. Special hello to you guys and special hello today to Ricardo's mom, who I have just learned actually listens to our podcast. So I'm just here to say what up, Lola. And here with me is my co-host who was birthed to the aforementioned Lola, Ricardo Mexicano. Say what's up to the peeps and your mom, Ricardo. Why are you using my mom's name like that? On the public forum. I'm just saying. Just I'm just, over here, you're just over here a simple use, shout out. Using her name all willy nilly. You're lucky using her nickname too. I think her name is gorgeous. That's her nickname. Too. That's her nickname. But you're like, don't, don't ever use her real name. Uh, so I'll let you get away with Lola. But uh, yeah, shout that out to my mom. The, Bugs she, Bunny, uh, the character that Bugs Bunny had a uh, crush on. Remember? Yeah. Yeah, she was only created for that movie, by the way. Folks think that she's been around since, like, the 40s. But no, she was literally made for Space Jam. For Space Jam specifically? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, well, like, that that character was a babe just like your mom's a babe, so. Well, I appreciate that. But shout yeah. out to my mom. Uh, she doesn't really listen to it. I think I think maybe she hears, like, my brother or somebody listen to it. And she happens to overhear. And then, you know, she probably moved on with her and day. And what if she say, Ricardo, no estás diciendo maldiciones ni nada eso. You better not be saying any curse words. As, as, as the folks should know, that's not me. That's you. Yeah. That's Just in, call that's me in, Veronica Potty Mouth Perez. That's in that department. But, mm-hmm. yeah, you already know what it is, man. Ricardo Mexicano, the Mexican that will never end. Uh, actually, like with saying that, I need to I need to like shout out more of my Salvadorian side, man. So shout out to the whole Salvadorian side of my family. Shout out to the whole Salvador. Shout out to the whole San Miguel El Borbollon. You know, shout out to all my fam out there. Um, you know, El Salvador. I think they call it the 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 the, the hedgehog of Central America because it's small, but it's you know, it's mighty. It's mighty. It's the, uh, the it's the honey badger. It's the honey badger. Of Central America. Who the hell calls El Salvador the hedgehog of Central America? The honey badger. I don't know, like historians. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm because, sure because because it's because it's, over here making mascots for countries. Okay. Because it's small, but it has such a notoriety about it, good and bad, mm. that like it has just this tenacity about it that just never gives up. And like when you think of, it's funny because when you think of Central America, you would like think that the first thing that comes to mind is like Guatemala or maybe. Maybe even Panama because of the Panama Canal, but a lot of people think. So, of, if America of, was an animal, what, what animal do you think America would be? A sloth. I would. I was gonna say I would. Uh, I think that we're more like a boar. You know, like those wild boars that you see out in the middle of the road in Texas, and uh, you know that destruct everything in their path and they're like never ending and hungry. I don't know. Maybe that's a very cynical way of putting it, but you know that's know. the first animal that came to mind. Yeah, but shout out to Salvador. Shout out to that side of my family. You know, blood running through me. I already know what it is. Shout out to the whole Central America too. Shout out to Honduras. 
Yeah, the, shout Belize, out to everyone in the universe. Guatemala, mm-hmm. Nicaragua, mm-hmm. Costa Rica. And with That's all it. of that, yes. Also, shout out and happy birthday to uh, this week's birthday woman, Mariah Carey. So, yes, uh, for those of you guys don't know, Mariah Carey is not also bl- uh, just black, just white, but she is also partially Venezuelan. So, Venezuelan, is that how you say it? Venezuelano. Venezuelano. She has a Venezuelan uh, grandfather, and her name, Carrie, was adopted by uh, that Venezuelan uh, grandfather whose original name was Francisco Nunez. So, happy, happy birthday, Mariah Carey. You know, we love you because you're one of us. You know, I mean, you have a you have a sordid past about you and a bit of a temper, but you know, don't we all? So, yeah, happy uh, B Day. Yeah, and like, um, and obviously, well, maybe not obviously. Her her grandfather, like her dad, is a Afro Venezuelan. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, you know, because they're of African descent. And you know, I'm pretty sure he was a, a tremendous. Or maybe I, I maybe I can't speak to this, but I would hope that he was a, tr- a tremendous man, a great father figure that you know provided for his family and just was an upstanding character overall. Unlike the next person, but we're about to get into that has recently not had the best light shown uh, shined on him and isn't really the best. Um, mm black man at the moment <laughs> i mean I, I like i support you know support my black brothers and you know i champion the black men don't cheat but yo this black man most he, ain't, definitely he, ain't, he ain't helping he ain't, this, he, ain't, he ain't helping the cause this, this man in here ain't helping hashtag so. black men don't cheat but Derek jackson definitely but does. but but i do but i always That's do but i do always come in with the save to say that you know black, like men men who don't cheat weren't men to begin with mm. So that's a boy right there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so let's go ahead and get into this. Uh, so Derek Jackson, a couple of weeks ago, I actually know just this week, he basically went on Instagram, on Instagram Live, no less, with his wife and admitted to, and for those of you who guys uh, who don't know who Derek Jackson is, he is a very prominent, I guess, sort of relationship coach on the internet so he uh does a lot of videos a lot of like how to's uh, telling you know black women brown women out there just women in general to you know respect themselves you know if he's if he's out here cheating on you or messing you around uh messing around with another woman he doesn't deserve your time of day you know his videos go viral for you know just empowering the woman in general to you know uh, accept what she truly deserves, you know, and, you know, uh, people have always loved him for these videos, but as of recently, it's come out that he himself, while he's out here telling uh, women that most men are scumbags if they don't do this and this and this, and any man that uh, cheats on you is not a man that really loved you to begin with, he gets on Instagram Live and he says that he himself has cheated on his lady with no less and here's the thing that a lot of people are dragging him through the mud for is not necessarily that he's just giving that confession but that in that live he is also sitting next to his woman who is as Charlemagne the God described it you know it's like the first half of the busset challenge where you know she's out there you know in the cap with her face and, and like, her face not done which me I don't give a crap I don't give a crap that about any of that stuff I'm just trying to paint a picture picture for you guys and 
So she's very just she's very just kind of plain looking, you know, and I think that a lot of Twitter, the reason they got onto him, besides the fact that he cheated, is the fact that he let her go on screen, you know, looking like that, knowing that people were going to troll her. And that was a very thoughtless act on his part. And while he's sitting there apologizing to the public over his misdeeds, you know, trying to look like he's uh, he's being um, radically honest and radically upfront about his indiscretions. He's out here letting his lady look bad, and that's really the whole big controversy against it. Is it really like that shallow? Like just her looks? I I think so. I think it's just a lack of for people that know how intense the internet can be and how intense internet trolls can be, and just like look that she just looks so disheartened. You know, she just looked so like just had a whole give up give up face about her like okay all right this is what you need me to do babe all right whatever because for me i I took it one step deeper Mm -hmm. to where i saw it just as a plain like he was using her as a pawn Mm -hmm. to like yeah no that's exactly what it was to like lessen the blow to be like hey look i have my woman here on screen with me yeah she stands she's she's forgiven me so you should too yeah like look it can't be that bad if she's here with me Uh uh-huh we've we're getting over it you know yeah where and that's the problem I have personally because I'm like you're not a you're not enough enough of a I don't want to say man but you're not enough of a person to deal with what you have to deal with yourself instead of involving somebody else. She has nothing to do with this. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, uh, besides the fact that you know she he was a, she was a woman being cheated on, mm-hmm. but she has nothing to do with your apology or anything like that. You know you you owe your apology to her first and foremost. You know, in a personal setting, but she has nothing to do with this whole like publicity stunt, this very narcissistic move. I think it just rubbed everybody the wrong way because it seemed like he was literally doing it to ask for the forgiveness of the um, people, of the people, the internet. Yeah, but he didn't, uh, he just didn't seem to care about the actual forgiveness of his woman. He didn't care about how his woman looked, you know, whether it just. It just, it just looked bad. It just looked so very dismissive. Narcissism. Mm-hmm. I think he has this, this thing within him where he can't truly wrap his mind around the fact that he, he, he thinks that he's taking the accountability, that he's being transparent. That is completely thrown out the window the moment that you make us, and by us I mean the internet, more of a priority than the person that you've actually affected. Then your life partner. You know what this reminds me of, Ricardo? What? This reminds me of the second act of Hamilton, where Alexander suddenly cheats on Eliza, uh, and all of the other politicians find out, and he, they start to blackmail him. And so instead of letting himself be blackmailed, he goes out and he writes all of these letters confessing to his, uh, to his affairs, and basically humiliates his woman like in front of the whole world like basically Derek jackson pulled in alexander hamilton in the situation it's the exact same thing he was gonna beat him to the punch Mm -hmm. yeah he was gonna beat him to the punch before people dragged him through the mud for it exactly he uh he slim shaded himself yeah like at the end of eight mile he eight miled himself yeah like like i I, i'm the only one that's allowed to say the worst funny because lin-manuel miranda literally used that exact example exactly yeah i've never never seen hamilton i've never seen that that example that you just brought up about him saying that i mean like i I just look at the same thing yeah yeah, he just he just rabbit himself at the end of eight Mm -hmm. mile and just you know said the worst things about himself before Mm -hmm. that other person could say sometimes you know sometimes that shit works like if you beat people to the punch you know and that's what they always used to tell you you know in school when you ever you would get bullied you know like learn to laugh at yourself before other people can laugh at you 
boy, let me tell you, I was a queen of that shit. Uh, <laughs> but sometimes, you know, it backfires on you, you know, because I think that it would backfire on you if you decide to drag someone else through the mud with you. And that's what Derek Jackson did in in terms of his lady. And that's what's not cool. What? I'm trying to get the full story again. Mm-hmm. What is the, because uh, I know the, the the other woman that he cheated with, then wasn't he, she airing him out for like some other thing that he had done? I don't know. I don't know as far as that goes. Um, I just know that the biggest scandal about it was the fact that he cheated in the first place and he's supposed to be like this big deal relationship coach that yeah, like everybody's like highly about like, years. like he's a man of God. But let me say this. I have no sympathy for a man who finds it to be difficult to be faithful after being in a promiscuous lifestyle and neither should you. You have no reason to be looking to her for consolation for being a faithful man. And nobody made you be monogamous with just her. You don't want her, let another man have her. Simple. But, but like, he had, he had only been married for, like, a year or something like that, right? Like, he wasn't, he hadn't been married for long. Well, I mean, regardless of the fact is that what he has been doing for long is preaching all this stuff about faithfulness and, like, fidelity and all of this, that. And then he goes about and does the exact same thing, that he's constantly burying other men saying, like, men who cheat should not be forgiven, this, that. And men, like, get out of here. Like, if you make the same mistake as anybody else, like, how do you expect people not to drag you through the mud. The thing is, is that if you're going to say something out in public and then it turns out that your word, you've betrayed your own word, that you are going to have to take the consequences. There's no going around it, buddy. Like, that's just what it is. Yeah, I think his credibility is kind of over in a sense because you think he can have a career like doing the same relationship coach stuff I think he can and he'll try to spin it to where it's like, hey, I cheated, I've been there, but I know how to go about it. Kinda, but that's kinda, what he was trying to do with this video, and he just, I, it just came off as super insincere, I, man. I feel like he'll master it along the way. In mm. those short, in those short Instagram clips, he'll learn how to like really like fine tune it and make it to where he can like be like, hey, I've been there. Like, take it, be it. This is what happens when you're in that dilemma. I where guess, bro. Like, no, not saying that is right, but I'm just saying I could just. I'm think. just saying if my man dragged me out of bed to be in front of like an Instagram video and like my hair was still uncurled, undid everything, and he's over here, he's like, "Hey, babe, stand right here while I tell the whole world that I cheated on you." Well, you're Fuck not. Fuck that. I don't think you'll you'll even be in the video in the first place. Fuck th- no, I would not. Yeah. Like, I mean, oh my gosh. But you know what the real thing is, is that uh, the hilarious stuff about the memes that I saw floating around on Facebook, it was mostly from guys, too. This is the fucked up part. I saw a lot of guys posting these memes on Facebook saying that if if we forgave Jada Smith for uh, for the hashtag entanglement that she had against Will, then we should forget Derek. Uh, we should forgive Derek Jackson. Where do you stand on that, Ricardo? I think they should both be. Um, held accountable the same mm. why why does the woman get a pass at the end of the day why does she get more of a pass than Derek Jackson would is it the history is it that Will and, Will and Jada have more history with each other and that there's maybe some things we don't know and that, see and, you and know what Jay- I was about to say at first is because I was like I was about to say because Jada didn't go out and well, uh, yeah. go out of her way to humiliate Will but then I'm like well she did have him on red table talk yeah out there with his eyes all splotchy red like right. half crying that's messed up but also but to give her the benefit of the doubt Jada mm-hmm. never presented herself as having the most perfect marriage ever 
Yeah, that's not her. That's not her pedestal. Like, if nothing else, Jada and Will have always been upfront about how tumultuous and how open and how like how much of a growth process their relationship has always been. Right. You know. So, but so, but to keep it black and white, yes. If it was as that, if it was as simple as it was, without all the nuances to it, yes, they should both be held at the same level, in my opinion. But I feel because Jada and Will have been more brutally honest, like hashtag entanglement, like that remix. Remember that remix that they did is the most hilarious, catchiest thing in the world. I feel like Jada gets a pass just because of that, just because they uh, she and Will have been more honest. And then and Derek Jackson has literally made a living out of, you know, knowing what uh, telling women what the perfect man should be and holding himself as an example when he is out here doing some shady ass shit himself. You know what I think is the worst thing though? Mm. Besides them cheating, which is already terrible in itself, is the fact that people feel bad for Derek Jackson woman. But I feel like when that whole entanglement thing happened, people were very reluctant to give Will that same that same feeling. What do you mean? To be like because it's, it's very easy to look at a man who has been cheated on and be like, you're a man, suck it up, you'll get over it, instead of like having that same sort of feeling of humility. So you don't think that they give Will enough sympathy? That's what I'm saying. I think usually men don't don't get that sympathy that like Derek Jackson wife getting, because she's getting all the sympathy, like saying like, how can you do this to her? You humiliated her. You made her look like a mess in front of like life for a thousand no, people. No, I mean, people, I do remember people calling out Jada. You know, maybe there wasn't this, there was more calling out Jada than there was necessarily sympathy for Will, but there was still, it's, uh, I guess I agree with you because at some point, like people just expect, uh, when something's wrong with the men, they're like, man, why don't they expect a man's reaction to be like, angry you know why don't you man, man up why don't you leave why don't you you know tell that woman what's what this that and the other uh but when they react calmly people accuse them of not being enough of a man of being soft yeah being soft exactly and it's the same thing like 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 when a woman does that usually mm-hmm. when they're like when they stay with the man who's cheated they're like oh you're stupid you're this or that but when yeah. a man does it and they stay with a woman they're like you're, you're not soft enough of a man. you're not a man yeah. i would never let a woman do that to me I, it, yeah. blah 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 yeah, you never, you rarely get called not a woman just because you stick with a man who's cheated on you. Exactly. Which is fucked up, but it is. Like, they take away your masculinity card way more easily than you, you never hear about women, you know, women's womanly card being taken away like the masculinity card gets taken away. And that's really fucked it's a, up. It's a very, it's a very crazy, um, And that's really com- fucked complex. up now that I think about it. It's a very crazy complex, the yeah. way that that thing works. But mm-hmm. next thing, though, getting across all the, uh, the cheating debacle. Uh, we want to shift gears into a more Latino-oriented stories, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. La- Latino spirit, you know, because that's what we do here on ILS, you know, hashtag ILS, in living Spanglish, a.k.a. So I corny. love uh, Spanish. <laughs> I love... <laughs> you so corny. I love uh, Sriracha. So corny, I, I, don't, I don't know. I hate Sriracha, <laughs> I love Sriracha, actually. I can't stand it. Um, but no, no, to be more serious. Uh, so this next topic is going to, is dealing more with the expectation immigrant parents, you know, when it comes to immigrant parents, whether they be Hispanic, Asian, even African coming from like Nigeria, Ghana, Botswana, wherever, they have this thing where it's like they experience so little mm. growing up, you know, you know, assuming that this, these parent the, the immigrant parents had a hard time growing up because, you know, there could be immigrants that maybe had a good life growing up and maybe then just came over to America. But the majority had a very, very hard, hard life uh-huh. growing up. 
And there's there's two sides to the same coin. Whether do they expect you to get a good job, at least finish high school, maybe have like a nice little home out in the in the backwoods of uh, East Texas, and just live a comfortable life, and that's okay with them, or are they gonna push you to the extreme to where you pretty much have to be the next Tigres of the Norte and like. If Vicente Fernandez, you know, Gloria Trevi, you know. They want you to make us a, a be like a superstar? Yeah. I don't know. Let me let me tell you what my immigrant parents expected me to do. The thing is, is that with my mommy, she came over to the U.S. when she was, I think, four or something like that, if I have that correct. So when she came to the U.S., you know, obviously she was well assimilated and stuff like that. But that doesn't mean like the pressures of being a first generation kid escapes you with me under my house i remember my mom first of all grades were super super important to her like i had to have a's and when i first started when i got my first c she freaked out she thought that it was like the end of the world that i was distracted i did kind of have like a, a crush and everything on the time it was like a boy issue so yes so i was distracted at the time but that's beside the point but she had high expectations to me as far as grades and everything like that. And she wanted me to go to college and get a career. For her, it was a whole thing as uh, an immigrant, as a first-generation kid. Her expectations for me were that of stability. She just wanted me to... I guess her dream for me would be to be comfortable. You know, and by comfortable, I mean like middle class. If I could reach middle class and I could have my own house and pay my bills, then she would be satisfied. That was her thing. Uh, anything more than that, I don't think that she necessarily had those expectations, but she wanted me to be a straight A student. She wanted me to be middle class and be comfortable, you know, be, um, have some sort of like reasonable profession, whether it's doctor, dentist, something stable. And that was it. I know, though, th that other immigrant families, uh, it it's funny because there is a dichotomy of that. Other immigrant families barely have any expectation for their children at all. Um, while other, like, let's say, like, um, well, what we were talking about last week, the model minority myth, that some immigrant families have very, very high expectation for their kids. So it could be either or. I don't know where that comes from. You know, obviously... When it comes to like the model minority, it's very easy to go straight to like Asian parents because you know they, uh, you know stereotypically yeah yeah that yeah that was an easy the one. stereotypically they have like this 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 view that they're very hard on their kids if they don't if they don't make mm -hmm. good grades and you know that their kids has to be excelling at the most highest level or they will dishonor <laughs> their family. Uh, How was that? Oh yeah yeah like a uh, um what was the uh, the dragon's name off uh, Mulan Mushu yeah Mushu yeah Mushu, Eddie Mur yeah. Eddie Murphy dishonor your family yes yeah but um. Which is very true, and I think that, that, that ties back to the cultural roots, because in Japan, and I know in Japan, I can't speak to China, but I know in Japan, they're very, very hard. How was it kids. in your family? It, it's strange, because I think when it came to, like, the basics, primary school, you know, elementary, middle school, high school, it was very, like, you know, put in the best effort you can. Like, I don't want to see you fail, but I can understand if you fail, kind of thing. Like, I'm not huh. gonna, I'm not gonna completely disown you. Like if you bring home the, if you bring home an F. Oh no, my mom was super strict about that shit. It was kind of like that. It was just kind of like just looking at you, and you know sometimes this can even be worse where they look at you and you're like, like I'm not mad at you, I'm disappointed. You know mm -hmm. that kind of like thing. Mm -hmm. You know mm -hmm. where that where that even feels like even Some worse. Some boy meets world shit. Yeah. Exactly. It's like it's even worse than them being mad at you. Uh huh. It was kind of like that for me growing up. It was like like I know you're like better than this kind of thing. Yeah. So that was like school wise. 
once I got older and like it was time to like transition over to like being an adult, it was you mean it, in high school, or? like the, like the end of high school, you know, oh, yeah, because yeah, you're about yeah, to make yeah. that transition into adult. Uh-huh. Um, it it became more so. Can you just like kind of like what you say? Can you uh, just you know maintain? Mm. Can you be somebody who can pay their bills, have a decent home, and have a decent job? You know, I'm not expecting you to be like a doctor and all that, even though they, they would talk about that. They'd be like, hey, strive to be a dentist, strive to be a doctor, those big paying bucks. Yeah. Big paying jobs that, you know, provide the uh, the bills that, you know, that, that can, you know, pro- pro- that can give you that check. But it wasn't this thing where you had to, like, reach for the stars, you know, break the, ga- the glass ceiling kind of thing. I don't know. I mean, it depends. Like, were you the smart one? You were, were you the quote unquote smart one in your family? I wouldn't say smart one, but I made things look easy. Mm-hmm. you're very good at that you're very good at making things look easy to cut it if off. that makes sense yeah like, I, w- I made things look very easy yeah to where it was very common to like come to me for like solutions mm-hmm. when it came to like you know whether it happened on my brothers or maybe there were some like things with like when it came to like and th- and this comes a lot with like the first generation child when it's like uh hey can you help me especially the oldest can you yeah. help me translate this hey i don't understand what this thing is saying Hey, I don't understand my phone. Can you help me? You know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And like other things outside my of that. My mom to this day still texts me to ask her to order something off of Amazon, even though she has my login and could do it herself. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's, so it's things like that. Uh-huh. But no, I never had that 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 pressure of like, you have to reach for this this thing that I can never be. Like, you know how like parents... Like immigrant parents a lot will be like I'm trying I'm trying their dreams on their children right yeah, yeah. I, like I'm trying to see you become what I couldn't be yeah and I think because my parents maybe never had that chance to even dream that big mm-hmm. maybe that's why they never saw not to say not to say they didn't believe in us myself and my brothers but they don't know what that's like to have that sort of those sort of aspirations to think that high yeah so just the the mere fact that that you have shoes and that you're not like sharing a tomato with like six of your brother and sisters is already like sharing a tomato. Well, that's, that's my dad. My dad yeah. told me like you know he didn't have shoes until he was like in the fifth grade. Wow, really? And like, well, he would go to shoes. Without, he Bro. would go to school without any shoes, and he'd have to like share like a tomato with like like his other siblings, like five other siblings for dinner. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. No. I mean, that's some that's some crazy shit, man. Um. I think that with my mom, because I was the oldest and because I was the quote unquote smart one in the family, she had a lot of, of expectations out of me, which again, like I kind of broke her heart when uh, I say break her heart. But my mom was a very militant lady growing up like she was no nonsense. She was ridiculously strict. She was you either get it done or there's going to be some consequences. You know, she did not play the um, Araceli Perez did not play no games. Let me tell you. And Chelly Perez did not Chelly play. Perez no jugar, no jugó ni nada juego. No de jugar. Yeah, 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 whatever. Uh, but she didn't play any games and I was terrified of my mom most of the time growing up. You know, being a single mom is tough and she did a very good job at playing both the mother and father with very little um softness you know and but that's because you know she was just doing the best she could and she was trying to like balance it all and juggle it all and in retrospect she was just trying to you know for better for worse you know push me to be the best that i could be um and i think that as i got older i had to let go of my i had to let go of her expectations of myself uh and had to realize what i wanted 
the expectations for myself to be, you know, what I wanted to be, what I wanted to do, like whether or not I even wanted to go to college and what I wanted to become. And I think that it's such a, it's almost for people that didn't have really rigid relationships with their parents and the expectations that their parents had for them to separate yourself from the dreams that your parents have for you and start to do your own thing can take such a long time and is such an arduous journey in and of itself because you feel like you're constantly disappointing them and because they're your parents you feel like if you're disappointing them you're disappointing a part of yourself because I don't know about Cha. I don't know about like other immigrant sons and daughters, but I feel like my mom is more or less always in my head at least once or twice a day. You know, like I go, I like I can go weeks without seeing her, but once or twice a day, I'm gonna hear her voice in my head saying, Vero, like you better wash the dishes this way or Vero, don't forget to do this, you know, and that's just, that's just kind of the energy that you have that immigrants, we come, we traditionally come from very tight-knit families and that means that our families are always going to be with us and especially the expectations and the weight that come from our families and wanting to make them proud but also wanting to be true to ourselves that balance is is something that we have to figure out a lot in our early 20s and 30s and uh it's just uh it's a difficult process but I would say that I'm just now starting to get the hang of it. You know what's one thing that, even though I, I said that my parents never had, like, the, the chance to have, like, these aspirational dreams, mm-hmm. I think that what they did instill in me without me even realizing was the fact that they could see that I was capable of anything. Mm. I like to go. I like to quote um, Kanye in the interview he did with Zane Lowe in 2013 when he was talking about how <laughs> he was talking about his parents, and I really liked this part of the of the, of the interview. Yeah, uh, where he says, uh, "My my mother was a, was the the chairman of the English department, uh, the first black lady, the first black woman in the English department. My dad runs a nonprofit in the, the Dominican Republic to help uh, people get clean water." And then he says, "Like there is no award show, there is no Grammy, there is nothing t- that you can give me, no accolade that, to make me what my parents made me." Mm. And I and I really take that into i take that into heart because i'm like there's nothing anybody can ever give me that can instill in me what they already gave me without even trying yeah because they saw from a very early from a very early early stage in my life that i could be anything they drilled in confidence in him yeah and there human beings mi gente is your kanye quota of the day on ils all right. Well, uh, I think we're moving into something a little bit more. Uh, I don't want to say depressing, Current. maybe depressing out word, but a lot more somber for sure. So you want to kick it off, Vettel? March twenty first, we got word that uh, earlier this week, a man by the name of Lorenzo Perez was a street vendor in what was the town again? Uh, Fresno. Fresno, California, and he was uh, shot in the head fatally. So he did pass away from this uh, man named Demarcus Vega, who is currently facing murder charges. But Lorenzo Perez, a street vendor, left behind a wife, Veronica, and four kids ages 15, 13, 9, and 1. So basically what this has done on the internet ever since social media has gotten word of it, there's a hashtag going around right now called uh, hashtag protect street vendors, shedding some light on the 
the antics and the bullying and the vandalism and the harassment that our fellow street menders, you know, our palateros, our men and women that provide us with our elote in a cup, you know, our chicharrones with chile, you know, in soccer games, this, that, and the other, and just shedding some light on the harassment that they have to uh, that they have to deal with day in and day out. And this has not been the first in, uh, the first instance of a of a street vendor being murdered or being harassed but this has been the most recent one so uh condolences to to lorenzo uh, perez's family you know our thoughts are with you guys yes this is definitely a subject where we need to know that we need to start protecting our own you know because we wouldn't be anywhere without these people who are literally just out here just trying to make money for their family what do you think is driving this act of like unnecessary violence toward them because a lot of it happens usually in california and there's been some instances in like texas as well like the one that happened in uh last year in austin Mm -hmm. with paleteros and other street vendors yeah like specifically with them yeah um do you think that has anything to do with like the the racial tension in california when between blacks and browns because the the man who, who who did the most recent ones against Lord of the Perez. He, was black. He was yes. black. So do you think that has anything to do with like the, the relationships and like and like some of these like inner cities within California and other places as well? Uh, I'm not trying to keep it exclusive to there that maybe because of like whether it be gang tensions or just racial tensions between the, the two communities. From what I've read, I couldn't really see, I, I didn't really see what a motive was. I do know that they found uh, five to six illegal firearms in his house and they were able to basically trace down that one of those firearms were was the one that was used against uh, Lorenzo Perez. Um, all of them legally bought, so none of them were illegal firearms. But as far as the actual motive... I'm not entirely sure what that could have been. Because reading the article from uh, Remescla, when they initially reported on this, said that Perez was shot in the head by someone who was pretending to be a customer. That he kind of like, like, kind of like told him, like, hey, I want to buy something. Mm-hmm. Then he shot him. To me, that sounds like premeditation. To, to me, that sounds like premeditation. That doesn't sound like just a random act of violence. That sounds like somebody who's been thinking who's of ha- who had it out for who him had himself. it out for him for what for some reason or another like you just don't that doesn't sound like somebody who was like oh i'm mad i want to kill somebody I, know, I mean we could sit here and we could speculate all day i mean but uh, from what i saw i i didn't see obviously there has to be a motive but i don't know what it could have been all i know is that like these men usually walk around to my knowledge unarmed you know just trying to sell stuff and just trying to make an honest buck for their family people just need to be more aware you know like in whatever situations they're in especially when it gets dark you know i know that daylight savings time is uh uh we don't necessarily have to worry about that right now but yeah just we have to remember to protect our own you know protect our street vendors i wish i knew what the motive of what demarcus vegas's was against lorenzo perez but all i know is that now there's a wife and four kids out there without a dad and even though like the motive may be hard to track down i feel like the ultimate intent is going after those who are the most vulnerable you know because mm-hmm. you 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 think about Baladero, you think about street vendors 
Literally, they make up my entire childhood. Like, there is no greater joy as a kid than when you hear, like, the bells going down the street. And you know who's coming. You know it's about to be good. You know you instantly turn your head to your mom's like, hey, ma, can I hold a dollar? And, you know, you and your primos and everybody go out scrambling in the front yard. And, you know, you go get your sweet treats. You get your paleta shaped in the, uh, in the shape of Bugs Bunny or lo que sea. You know, for me. That doesn't look like Bugs Bunny at all. I know. It was always the most disfigured freaking cartoons, too. It was very, very disturbing. What was your go-to paleta, Ricardo? Do you remember? Either arroz or the coconut uh, polar. <gasps> My, mine was always uh, mine was always the paleta de coco. Every yeah. single time. My mom already knew. Well, I, I would get getting. the Lucas paletas, too. The oh, more yeah, like yeah, tamarindo or the more sp- chamoy, chamoy one, too. Yeah. Or the snow cone. I would get the snow cone, too, a lot. No, for me, it was always the paleta de coco. Every single time. Yeah, but, but, yeah. but what I was going to, like, uh, to finish off that thing. Mm. You know they're the most vul- they're very vulnerable, you know, and they, and they and they go anywhere, you know, because they're trying to make they're trying to make money. Like they'll go into the hood, they're, they'll go into some dangerous places. I think people don't realize that they're going into like places all over the city, wherever they may be. That because the paletas and everything, I mean, even the elotes in a cup are fairly inexpensive. They're so inexpensive. If and they're- they go in the hood, they're filling, you know. So if they go in the hood, if they go to you know uh, disenfranchised places, you know, they're going to make some money if they have. If people let their kids go out and you know buy a treat. Yeah, and they're usually loved by the uh, the community because mm-hmm. they're providing a service. They're providing somebody willing to come to them to deliver you know a snack. Exactly. Essentially, and you know people get attached to that. You know they love it. So when somebody is brutally murdered in cold blood, somebody like that is just a a, a level of of sensitive violence that just can't really be explained. It just hits different. It hits different. It's offensive on a whole different level. Like. Uh, not just from a personal level with uh, Lorenzo Perez, but also on a personal level from all of us who remember being children uh, and, you know, like having that experience as a kid. It's just awful. It's awful. Yeah. So shout out to his family. So what do we have next? What we have next is Lil Nas X. So this has been doing the rounds on the internets. Uh, Lil Nas X recently came out with a music video. Tell me again what the name of the video was. So the name of the video is called Montero, a.k.a. Call Me By Your Name. Or call parentheses. Me By Your Name, yeah. yes. Montero, mm-hmm. parentheses, Call Me By Your Name, close parentheses. Mm-hmm. And uh, this has been doing the rounds on the internet mostly because of its really intense imagery, to say the least. If you watch a music video, it has a lot of uh, biblical references, a lot of satanic references. It starts off the video with a uh, Garden in Eden sort of vibe. First of all, Little Lil Nas X is just out here out here in drag like my man is uh not afraid to dress in any sort of way i think probably the most shocking part of the video and of course you guys will have to look it up after we say all of this stuff so sorry for any spoilers but i don't know if you can spoil music videos the guy ends up strip dancing on satan and pole dancing his way to hell so let me just give away the two most shock value of the video in and of itself people are uh referencing a bunch to a lot of like satanic metal bands back from the 90s and different things like that and it's just it's been crazy to see all of this going around i don't get it what do you mean i I don't see anything wrong with the video you don't see anything wrong with it you were slightly disturbed when he was literally putting his ass in the face of satan on the throne i didn't i wasn't disturbed no 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 like 
for people who don't know my background, I come from a, um, when it comes to like musical taste, and I expounded on this on a Twitter post I put up today. Um, so those, if you happen to At follow Mexican me, Natsu. yeah, if you happen to um, go on my page, you'll see it. I came up loving metal and rock and black metal, death metal, melodic Swedish death metal, whatever, you, you know, all the subgenres, stuff like that. When it came to like this imagery of like Satan or, or the dark forces, the occult, um, you know, bands like Merciful Fate, Deicide, uh, King Diamond, which is also Merciful Fate, like a spinoff kind of, um, you know, a dark throne when you're talking about um, black metal. Stuff like that was common practice. You know, Slayer, of course, was very popular in the 80s. When it came to, like, that imagery, they, they really pushed it forward and, like, you know, made them, like, the scariest band during that time. To me, I always see it as entertainment at the end of the day when it comes to the music, solely the music. And when it comes to, like, band t-shirts, when it comes to, like, like that, that album that your parents will, like, go through your room while your mom is cleaning your room and be like, like, Jonathan, why do you have this? Like, that's that's what they want. That's the reaction that the band Imagine wants. Imagine your good, pure Christian mother coming across an album cover with Lil Nas X humping and pumping on the devil. It don't even need that, though. My mom has seen, like, my band t-shirts and, like, uh-huh. I've had, like, the metal shirts. Like, yeah, I've, yeah. I've heard it all. I've heard it all. Like, this is the devil. Get this out of here. You know, uh-huh. I don't want this. You know, I've heard it all. Yeah. But, like I said, to me, it comes down to it just being entertainment. and it It's not being that deep. So like, you people, think that it's, like, for, more for shock value shock, and it, not it, an actual message it's behind shock, it? It's shock. It, it, I mean, I'm pretty sure the song itself has a message. Not this, but I think like everything else is. But shock you value. think that you think that it has zero. It, you think that it has zero anything to do with the actual Satan himself. Yes, it may have a message. The video itself may have a message, but I don't think it has explicitly. But anything what do you to think do that message Satan. is if it's not about Satan? I mean, when you strip on the devil, what else could it be besides shock factor? Really think about that. Think about Alice Cooper in the '60s when he was like over here, like choking a like a rag doll, and people thought it was like a real woman that he was choking out. Like, think of Kiss when, when Gene Simmons was blowing fire and people thought he was an actual demon. Like, this is just the what things do. And because hip-hop is becoming more and more mainstream, they're adopting things. I don't know if you ever noticed this, but a lot of, like, hip-hop, like, merchandise, like, band t-shirts, uh-huh. a lot of, like, popular hip-hop artists will, like, take logos from, like, metal bands and then apply it to, like, their own name. And I noticed that stuff. Pe- a lot of people don't notice it, but I noticed it. I'm like, that's because not Because we're your- not all weird metalhead slash hip-hop heads like you I are. I notice it. Can I see it? I'm just like, that's the Iron Maiden logo right there. That's not your logo. That's the Metallica logo right there. You Lo- mean the font? The font. Mean- the font. Yeah, 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 yeah. The font. I'm like, that's, that's the Metallica font, Lil Uzi Vert. You're not, you're not fooling anybody. Like, I know this stuff. Like, I thought the video was, uh, like, from an aesthetic point, like, I thought the video was beautiful. It was First cool. of all, his fits were on point. It was like, cool. whether he was in a dress, whether he was in like high drag makeup or whatever the video was beautiful and yes like him strip pole dancing his way to hell and then and then there's this point after he uh, gives the devil a lap dance i I think he kills the devil like he cracks his neck and then Mm -hmm. he like wears the crown himself i guess like he's satan now or whatever you know kind of like that captain phillips i am the captain now yeah yeah Yeah, of course yeah but I i think i think a lot of it too was just and I refer and I refer to this in the Twitter post about this thing called like the Satanic Panic, mm-hmm. which was very prominent in the eighties, where a lot of like evangelical Christians, a lot of just people, just normal people, saw it as like the the de-evolution of society, kind of like the law, the, the these kids are lost kind of thing because they're falling into these Satanic rituals, trying to bring back the dead and like you know cutting their their wrists open and like drinking each other's blood and just this like insane stuff that was like never going on. I mean, obviously never. 
of course, because of obviously you have Satanists, but even Satanists themselves aren't like this extreme picture that we have in our head that Satanists is just over here killing babies and stuff like that. Like, no, like Satanists for the most part aren't doing anything that we think is going on in, Never in our in mind. Never in my wildest dreams did I think that we would have a Satanist segment on the ILS podcast. But yes, continue. I'm just saying, like, like a lot of that is very dangerous because it leads to a lot of like censorship to like towards the artist and not even that it becomes it, it turns into like a witch hunt at the end of the day where you start looking at all these bands and be like no you're you're a baby eater no like you you drink blood on a regular I mean, basis but that's like the tricky thing is that where do you get to the point where you know we value the idea of freedom of speech but at what level is too much you know and that's actually why that's i think back in the 80s that's why they came out with the explicit advisory uh label on cds on discs and stuff so it was kind of like a compromise with you know worried parents that are like how do i know that what my kid is listening to isn't full of curse words or full of like satan's love or whatever i mean there was a lot there's still a lot of controversy around that but the funny Uh the ironic thing about that label was because that was finally on the album you it know, made kids, it made kids want it even more. Yeah. And album and album sales went through the roof for these bands. Mm-hmm. You saw that label, and it was like guaranteed to sell uh, everything and more that you imagine. These record companies were raking. All it I in. know is Lil, Lil Nas X gave me major him vibes. You know him from like Powerpuff mm-hmm. Girls. Like that is somebody that I you could not pay me to fuck with when I was. I loved the Powerpuff Girls when I was a little girl, but whenever they came to a him episode because remember and him was very progressive for the time because wasn't like he was very non-binary on powerpuff girls right yeah i mean like the his, red his, devil his with voice the... was like the mixture of like a man and a but woman but he had a goatee also yeah and but I'm was wearing it, a dress right, right right he wore an address he had like like long long um like the boot, like high boots, like yeah, up to like yeah, his yeah, knees. Yeah. High heel boots. Yeah, high heel yeah. boots. Uh, but kind of like the dress, like like a like a two, like not a toupee, but uh, what do ballerines wear? Um, tutus. Like, tutus. Yeah, they call almost like a tutu in a way. He had like fishnets too, right? I don't know. I don't yeah, know. fishnets. All I know is that he creeped me the fuck out. I remember, and maybe that's because he represented the devil. Maybe it's because I couldn't really understand him. I mean, that was the point. Yes, but I so much so where I would not watch episodes with him in it. Remember that for I think he debuted in that episode where he made the professor fall in love with him or something like that. When when no, you're thinking of Sedusa. That's that's Sedusa. Yeah, that was Sedusa. Yeah. Oh, okay. Never mind. I can't remember the episode he debuted, but the episode that I remember the most from him was the when the power power girls went to the future. And uh-huh. he was like the ruler, and he like took over everything, and like the world was like this apocalyptic, like Mad Max type of world. Uh-huh. And he was like the leader, and he was like tormenting them. That's like part. That's probably like the most scariest ever. Cause like he was. Oh wasn't, like, my gosh, he gave me the heat. Cause he wasn't playing around that episode. He was like really like, nah, I'm like the ruler of this. Like you cannot do anything about this. Nah, fuck that, fuck that. I would not fuck with the him episode. I'm probably. And gross. and there's also this thing with like Lil Nas X that he came out with this this shoe. Uh-huh. You saw the shoe, right? Where it's like, um, it, it, apparently there's like. One percent of like actual blood in it and stuff what like that. What do you mean? With Nike, it's like it's like a Nike Air Max, but Nike had already came out and said that they had no involvement in it. Wait, so how how are they not going to have any involvement in it? But there's actual blood in the shoe. I don't know. Well, apparently the shoe that that like the pictures that are going around. Apparently Nike said that they had nothing to do with it. So it's, it's just right here, like embassy. But it's a Nike Air Max shoe. But no, they didn't know that it had blood in it. We don't know if the pictures are real. That's the mm. first thing. So, like, Nike has said, Nike denies involvement with Lil Nas X Satan shoe containing human blood. So, I don't know if it's, like, if it's just that part about human blood that's fake or if the whole shoe is fake. 
So that's why I'm, t- I'm still trying to understand. I don't know. I think at this point, I'm going to sort of uh, give a side eye to I love Lil Nas X's like, music. I really do. But if he's making feetwear with shoes in it, oh, uh, sorry, feetwear okay. with blood in it. Here, is, here it is. It says, we do, Nike says, we do not have a relationship with Lil Nas X or MSCHF. I'm guessing maybe that's the people who made like the custom shoe. Yeah. I guess the shoes are real, but it wasn't made by Nike. Nike's saying that we did not design this or release these shoes, and we do not endorse them. So, I guess maybe it's kind of like a little... Because, you know, you know, like, people make, like, custom shoes all the time. Like, they'll yeah. take a design from, like, a popular shoe, and they'll make their own version of it, but it, has not, it, it wasn't made by that company. So, I can see that happening, but, yeah, I guess Nike did not have anything to do with the shoe. So, they're really trying to, like, make sure that people don't hate them. They're like, no, we did not release a Satan shoe. <laughs> we did not release a Satan shoe. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that yeah. is. So yeah, Luna X. Like I said, for me it's entertainment. I don't really pay too much mind into it, too much uh put too much thought into it. You I think people at on, a, on an individual level, if you choose not to mess with it, that's your prerogative. You can do whatever you want. I just think it's not as deep as people are making it out to be. Next up from what the hell Lil Nas X to what the hell Twitter or as I have taken to calling it uh, how do you say what the hell again in Spanish? I'm not going to say it. You got a little... You say hold on. it. Uh, I had it written down here, but I completely forgot. Que maldito or algo así? Okay. From what the hell, little Nasex, to que maldito tweeted, it is uh, what the hell Twitter. So take it away, Ricardo. There are certain things that you see in life, you know, whether it be you seeing a dog getting hit by a car, maybe you've witnessed your grandmother taking her last breath. Or maybe you you say goodbye to a lover that you thought you would never separate from. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff like that have had a profound impact on your life, and rightfully so. I would like to compare this new video from Chet Hank, <laughs> the son of famed and beloved actor Tom Hanks. Yes, where, America's father. Yes, where he proclaims, and just to give a little bit of backstory, you know, Chet Hank, millennial, he seems like a pretty chill guy, but he's always been one to like kind of teeter on the yo are you trying too hard to be something you're not let's also go ahead and mention that chet hanks son of tom hanks also happens to be an aspiring rapper yes and i think that's where a lot of this comes from he's trying to like put on this this i don't want to say image because maybe it is him who knows i don't know him but he's coming he's trying to he's coming across as like your typical rapper this 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 uh this swag about him, this this vibe. He's trying to give that off, and it comes across all the time in these videos. And his latest video consists of him saying that he thinks this <laughs> summer, this so much. he's think he thinks that this summer is going to be a white boy summer. Mm. And he's and he specifically says verbatim, I'm not making this up. He's not talking about a Trump MAGA summer, right? That's not what he means. He's talking about the John B, the Jack Harlow. And himself kind of summer. You know, that kind of white boy. So, you know, if, you, if you're vibing with him, you know, yeah, you already know what's yeah, up. You know those are famed hashtag white boy vibes. I mean, I, I haven't. I remember the white boy summer of like 1865. Yeah. I remember the white boy summer of like 1912. Yeah. The white Basically, boy summer of 1955. Basically, every summer that has ever existed. Have you heard of the Wonder Years? Hello. Yeah. So, you know, so you're wanting me to come out here this summer with like a plaid ba- button down and American flag swim trunks is what you're telling me. Look, whatever floats your fancy, uh-huh. Chet Hank wants you out here celebrating this white boy summer with us. So, mm-hmm. girl, girl, if you're down in Miami and Chet Hank happened to 
you know, peep you from a from a 30-foot distance, you know, you might as well go holla at him because it's, it's White Boy Summer 2021. Hey, guys. Um, look, I just wanted to tap in really quick. I just got this feeling, man, um, that this summer is uh, it's about to be a white boy summer. You know, take it how you want. I'm not talking about, like, Trump, uh, you know, NASCAR type white. I'm talking about, you know, you know me, um, John B., Jack Harlow type white boy summer. You know what I mean? Let me know if you guys uh, can vibe with that and uh, get ready, you know? Cause I am. Look, this right here is a travesty to mankind. <laughs> I cannot deal with this. I have been watching this video over and over, over and over. And Ver- Veronica loves it. She can't get enough of it. Like I- I'm literally watching it right now. Like it's looping, and like and like, and I I don't I don't understand. Like what do you- what do you take of this whole white boy summer thing? I think that it's about time white boys got their just desserts. You know, they have been ignored and put down for way too long. And from here on out, it's time for us to, like, really realize all the power that a white boy can do. Because a white boy can get down. A white boy, you know, can show us, you know, what a good salami sandwich is made out of. What a good... How to do a white man's overbite. How to do a a solid two-step slightly offbeat they can show us how to tie a tie no less so yes i am down and ready for the white boy summer you lost me at salami sandwich i don't know what white boys do how many white men have i been with in my entire life for me to be able to tell what i don't know all you have to say is we're not ready for mayonnaise summer all right that's all you have to say we're not ready for Miracle Whip Wednesday. We're not ready Miracle for... Miracle Whip Wednesday. Yeah, we're not ready for it, all right? We shouldn't be ready for it. Chet Hank, man, I don't want anything about you, bro. And you don't want anything about me. So I don't even know why I'm talking. But no, nobody's ready for White Boy Wednesday. And nobody ever will be ready. For, I mean, White Boy Summer. And nobody will ever be ready for White Boy Summer. I don't know. And I and I can see where he's coming from because he mentions Jack Harlow. He mentions John B. He, he, he might I as well, know who the hell anybody He, he might as well on. go ahead and, and mention uh, Robin Thicke because, you know, these, these, Ew. Are, these are the the white boys that I guess people tend to Let's not to mention like. Robin Thicke. Yeah. You know, like, they, I mean, like, if you had, like, that, that, that group of white boys that, yeah. like, that, that everybody just seems to, like, vibe with mm-hmm, and like, mm-hmm. I guess that's them. John B., shout out to John B., you know, he's still making great music, you know, he's a 90s R&B artist, uh, amazing, amazingly talented. And I remember when this video came out, he was trending, John B. was trending, and everybody was like, yo, please leave John B. out of this. He did not ask for this at all. <laughs> <laughs> it was just hilarity. This is the type of stuff I need in my life every day. Not the fact that I'm supporting it, but the fact that it exists and I can just watch it on my free time is what I need. So it's thank you, Chet. Thank you, Chet Hank, uh, for all this. Uh, you are a uh, a national hero, and I just hope you keep it up. Yeah. Que maldito Twitter. You. The next step is going to be our uh, unpopular opinions, or as I'd like to say again, practicing my Spanish, folks. Uh, opiniones impopulares. So. <sighs> This has come up earlier this week with me. We all know that social media is a highlight reel. So my question to all of you human beings out there that participate in the uh, redes sociales is why do we keep participating in the highlight reel instead of actually doing our part to changing it? And I I just don't get it. it. I've had multiple conversations with multiple friends about social media and about how they're so tired of seeing 
women, you know, with a perfectly uh, filtered photo and, you know, everybody's grid has to like coordinate colors and look just so and everybody's uh, has to have the photos of, you know, their family and their white picket fence and this, that and the other. And in the same breath that they say that they're out here posting the same exact kind of stuff. And I mean, that's just that's just my thing. It's like it, it feels like a self-fulfilling prophecy. It feels like one of those things that people complain about but never do actually anything about because at the end of the day, nobody is willing to go out there and take the first step to posting a less than attractive photo of themselves on the gram. You know, posting something that is not perfectly worded, that is not perfectly curated, that does not show themselves in the best light. And this actually, it reminds me of the thing that you um, told me about uh, weeks ago, Ricardo, that YouTube video that you made me watch where that hashtag was trending for a little bit. Make Instagram, hashtag make Instagram casual again. I really took a liking to that because I think it's about time that... For as much complaining as we do about the mental health, the mental health effects that the highlight reels of social media has, that we start being open about, you know, not looking perfect, not seeming perfect, this, that, and the other. And no, I'm not hashtag brave for say of coming out and appearing this way. I'm just me, you know, because this should be the norm. Imperfect humans are just that, humans. And... If we really complain about the highlight reel so fucking much, then like, then we got to be the ones to change it. That's all I'm saying. And that's my unpopular opinion. You know what's so weird? And it literally just hit me now because uh-huh. you brought back the uh, the mention of that video. Your popular opinion now probably was the popular opinion of like when social media was brand new. And, that, and, that, and that's why the whole Insta- make Instagram casual thing is so relevant now, because if you go back, if you really revert your mind back to like early 2004, 2005, 2006, seven, and even eight, because I think, I think nine or 10 is like when social media like really blew up. If you go back to those times, that's what the internet was when it came to social media. It was these very unappealing pictures of everybody looking, you know, maybe not their best. It was these these endless threads of people like i feel like crap today i don't feel my best oh i just lost my job very shitty pictures it was. of like a slice of pizza on a paper it plate. was yeah, yeah it was like it was like you and like maybe your girlfriend of like three months sitting on a friday just be like we have nothing to do and it's like very grainy and it looks like crap no. like just these things i feel like a failure like all that was the norm and i remember seeing like, that nobody, all the time nobody was super involved with perfectionism no they weren't and i think when when i when i think when we when we came to that turning point of like oh crap social media is like a viable thing mm-hmm. there's a lot of people on it oh my mom is on on facebook now she sees what i'm i'm looking at oh i got to look my best my aunt who i haven't talked to in like 10 years is like on facebook and gets and knows what's going on with me i better put on this front to where i'm like i I feel i look happy all the time not to worry and i think that's what it became veronica i I think that it's more than that though i think that first and foremost yes there's an element of peer pressure into it but also the fact that social media is a viable way to make money nowadays Mm -hmm. and so there's vanity and potential leverage to Uh, that that people get wrapped up in you know and that's why you think about it in that way like social media made it so high school literally to quote bowling for soup social media made it to where 
high school literally never ends. After you graduate high school, you're still competing with competing with all these different hashtags, competing, you know, who has the best lit picture, this, that, and the other, who's living the most, you know, vagabond, adventurous lifestyle. So, like, and it's all bullshit. So who even has the most popular tweet to see if your, st- if your tweet goes viral, you know? Yeah, exactly. Things like that. Like, literally, like, text on a screen. Yeah. To see if you made somebody laugh in Indonesia. Exactly, exactly. And I think that, did did Instagram ever take away the likes for you? No, that never happened to yeah, me. Yeah, that never happened to me either. And I don't know if they just decided not to do it or what. Because... It, was a, it was a beta. It didn't happen mm-hmm. to everybody. Yeah, so okay. only only selected people saw it. Yeah. So, But I never did myself. I think one thing that is very interesting is, I don't know, it's, it's kind of weird for me to interpret the whole, the highlight thing that you say. Because I don't know where that comes from. I don't know if that's like something you've seen. A lot or that's something or just that's the way you decided to interpret it as far as like what you see on social media because for me i saw it as and and, it, and it's because of like the career side of it this is now a job yeah. and just like if you were at an actual job physically you're not about to be this reckless depressed self more than likely so that's why you have like people who have like a professional twitter professional facebook and then you have your burner account to where you can be reckless all you want and that's like your real you self you can be yeah. as ratchet and you can be a- <laughs> exactly so on one hand i'm like is it really them posting their highlights or they just them realize like hey this being is my job and i'm just being professional and that's why i kind of like a hard time like understanding what you mean by highlights and, and lowlights kind of thing well i think that for some people who are like uh, out in the public eyes people like broadcasters people like news anchors things like that that's one thing but for the average joe that you know like works at a call center or that works at the bank or this that and the other then it that's that shouldn't be a, nearly as much of a concern for them i think that so long as you're not out here pre- uh, posting salacious things it sh- you shouldn't have to worry about having your photo and your hair perfectly straightened and just so like that's just my personal take on it so i do think that it's more of a psychological thing that we have going on is that we're just afraid to look imperfect we're afraid to like we're afraid to come off as anything than perfectly poised they even have a uh, like a natural filter now where you can look like you don't have any makeup, but you still kind of like have me. I mean, and I'm not totally like downing on filters in and of themselves, but I'm just saying is that people are literally get anxious about the idea of coming off anything less than their curated self on the internet. And I find that very sad because again, all of us are dichotomies and all of us are kaleidoscopes and we're allowed to be as messy as we are. Our lowlights are just as valuable as our highlights and that's all I got to say on it. So that's my unpopular opinion. Last point. Do you think you can go overboard with it? Do you think like there's like that point, and I know you've probably seen it because I know I've seen it, that person who is constantly, it's always negativity. It's always a, a very feeling blue type of post. It's always something that just never goes right. But there's an extreme version of either or. Exactly. And then at that point, they're really just, you know, uh, either it's a cry for help or a cry for attention. And you start looking at this person, right? You're sitting there like, man, here they go, this this guy or girl again. And it it feels like You know what? But I respect, but in a weird way, and maybe I'm strange in this, but I respect them. I do. Because at the very least, they're not out here caught up in the hamster wheel. Well, you say that, but it feels like a hamster wheel because that's that's all you see. Well, that's fine. That's all you see, but that doesn't mean that's all you know. I am ready to scroll through my feed and literally look at some genuine imperfections. 
Like, instead of, you know, people overthinking every little thing that they post and every little thing that they wear in the perfect lighting of their photo, this, that, and the other. And I'm not going to say that I'm, I don't get caught up in it. Sometimes I do. I never, I guess it's a personal, a personal line for me that I still want to strike a balance between, like, not thinking too much about it. And, you know, just posting whatever and being sincere and being off the cuff. Because what the hell is an aesthetic anyway? Like, and you'll see that on my Twitter bio. I'm like, what the hell is an aesthetic and why does it matter so much? So, whatever. I think me, the way to, like, I reject both is, like, just not doing anything at all. Yeah, you never post anything. So, like, that's you just taking yourself out of the game. But whatever. Anyway, that is my opinion impopular. So, what is yours, Ricardo? So, mine is a lot more simpler and less... um, uh, pretentious as uh as whatever Ro- as veronica's, pretentious excuse as, you as veronica the popular opinion uh i'm joking uh not really but <laughs> what's uh mine it just has to do with uh so this it's coming back to feet again folks if you listen to the episode to where i talked about how i would rather wear socks and, and sneak without at the beach there's an obvious theme going on with you here you obviously have a feet fetish of some kind I don't. and i am not here for it if i had a feet fetish why would i be the one to say that i'm wearing my socks my my socks and uh and sneakers to the beach maybe you're playing hard to get for other feet have you ever no. thought about that maybe no. because you mentioned your own feet wanting to be worn as socks uh socks on the beach but you never mentioned anything about like a potential women's feet that you could be stoking out i don't really care i i, I can admit that some women's feet look very pretty especially when they go get like a pedicure so weird. what so there's no such thing as pretty feet yes, there is. women take care of their feet oh why wait, you, sorry i'm i'm interrupting you what's your popular you, opinion why do you think pedicure exists in the first what's your place popular opinion? no no no, it's like, just, no answer me why what? do you think pedicure exists in the first place because people so want to have pretty no because people have bunions and people, people want, have like moles and stuff. People want to have pretty feet. You're you're getting people out People want the, to have not disgusting feet. I don't think people it's out pretty here want to have There's nothing you can do to my feet to make them look pretty. There are, my feet can look regular. I can have regular feet. There there's that there's a reason why acrylics and and nail polish stuff like it's all vanity and and that's fine. It's completely fine to like have pretty feet. What is your unpopular opinion? My popular down? opinion. <laughs> is to deal with i don't think you should wear bare feet in your kitchen because the kitchen is very nasty you literally you're calling me out aren't you i'm calling everybody out I've, I've said this to other people i don't think you should go into like your dining room if it's like if it's not like carpet and it's like tile floor you go into your kitchen and you have bare feet i think you're nasty i think there's so too you much think i'm nasty yeah you think I'm nasty because I'm over here barefoot making myself a sandwich, making myself a quesadilla or whatever have you. And I walk in. I remember. What was this? A couple of days ago, I walk in there and I'm just over here making my dinner, minding my own business. And you're like, uh, just to let you know, little, like, I think uh, feet on the floor is just a really disgusting thing. I'm yeah. like, what? Yeah. What? Yeah. Uh, like, like, kiss my pinky toe, like jackass. No. What the hell? No. Like, I've always, I always think about it. I'm just like, man, she really doesn't care. And like and I no, was, I don't care. And I, and I thought you I, for for some reason I always assumed that you like thought about you thought the same way I did as far as like never like bringing your bare feet into the kitchen. I sweep enough on the regular. Do you, okay here. You here's don't the not question. sweep enough on the regular. Yeah, here whatever. Okay, fine. You sweep enough on the. <laughs> <laughs> you sweep enough on the regular for the both of us. Okay, okay. So question pregunta. Uh, entonces, does this mean how do you feel about bare feet on the bathroom floor? Um, you're going to be inside the shower in, in, a, in a little bit anyway. But what if you're not? What if you go in there in the middle of the night because you have to pee? 
Um, and you don't want to bother ha- because who the hell sleeps with their socks on? So let's say that you're sleeping like a natural person would, sockless. You wake up like at two in the morning because your bladder is burning and saying, yo, man, like it's time to go. So you clamor out of your bed. You walk into the bathroom. Bare feet or not, nah, bruh. What's fine. it going to be? That's fine. Because you have an emergency. You have to pee. Yeah, but then do you go straight into the shower and scrub your feet afterwards, you no, hypocrite? I'm not expecting that. A what? I'm not I'm not expecting you to do that. That doesn't make any sense. Yes, it does. It does not make any sense. How are you going to be okay with you, like... Because there's no food in the bathroom. Yeah, but there is, like, gross debris in there, But bro. you'll eventually take a shower. That's what I'm Eventually, saying. but in between, then you're gonna be, you're gonna go back to bed. You're gonna sleep in your mattress. You know, like they're, they're, if they say that the kitchen counter has more germs than a fucking toilet, what does an actual bathroom floor contain, Ricardo Mexicano? Um, love. I don't know. That doesn't make any sense. I call your unpopular opinion total. I don't know what the, what's the word for false in Spanish? About what? False. Or False? False. Mentiras. Oh, mentiras. Yeah. I call your unpopular opinion a total mentiras because if you don't have an issue with bare feet on the bathroom floor, you shouldn't have any issue with bare feet in the kitchen floor. There's okay. food in there. You can kiss my pinky toe on that. No. Yes. There's food in there. That's yes. all it comes down to. There's food. You're making food. You're preparing food. There is like dried... Like... Pee. Yes. Um, on the bathroom floor. Okay, we're not going to get too that's, into this. That's fine. I'm not. You're the one that brought the bathroom floor. I'm not talking about the bathroom yes, floor. Yes, because it's a perfect example of how much no sense you make. I make sense because there's no food inside the bathroom unless you're eating hot Cheetos. No, there's was. worse things in the bathroom than there is kitchen floor is my point. Well, I'm not an unhealthy animal. I just washed my bathroom this past weekend. That is gross. Okay, anyway. I washed my bathroom. That is. That I love. Is, you got to remember, folks. This is such a simple little minute thing. But the fact that I can get people riled up, that's that's what brings me joy. The, the fact that I can bring up little... Because it not, doesn't make any consistent sense. They, if you they make do. consistent sense, no, that they would make be sense. one thing, but you don't. They make sense. Like, I love the... Uh, the, the At least my highlight, real and popular opinion, like, it was actual, was a ser- was a service to society. It wasn't. Uh, yes. The, the, the rage that I can bring upon people with my just simple little takes is what I, I live for at the end of the day. Mm. Anyway, that's a very unpopular opinion. I love um, it. Yeah. So yeah, don't don't wear. Just put on some slides, man. When you're outside the kitchen, don't be putting your nasty feet on the. On the do the whatever you floor. want, human beings. It's a free world. Do 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 do. People don't get that reference. Yeah. No, unless they unless, unless, so unless, so unless they seen. <laughs> That's so sad. You okay. did it. You did it too fast too. I know, right? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, go on. Oh, uh, and so we're moving on to our very last segment, which is G L O getting. Lots of otters. This is our otter segment where we talk about the otters of the uh, Canadian-Michigan border. So I, I recently Googled a a fine article that's talked about the spotted otter of, uh, of um, not Nova Scotia, but of Edmonton. And uh, no, I'm kidding. No, this is good looking out, folks. All right. This is good looking out. You like that? Did you like that? Come on. I, like you guys, that's I, pretty impressive. I, good looking out is a segment where we go ahead and we tell you what we've been streaming, what we've been catching, uh, or uh, music, movies, what have you, human beings. So for my good looking out this week, I have 
caught Dancing with the Devil, the new Demi Lovato documentary that came out March 23rd. There's been a big countdown for this one, you guys. So, and it uh, was uh, directed by Michael Ratner, an old friend of uh, Demi's. Dancing with the Devil, the name of the documentary is actually also, she's about to come out with an album of the same name. The doc has, is a four-part series on her relapse that happened in 2018 and just what transpired you know her overdose how she almost died more or less so it discusses a lot of things like um her daddy issues uh the eating disorders she's had since she was eight years old when she relapsed it was um heroin and crack cocaine that she had that she was trying out for the first time and when she overdosed specifically it was on fentanyl laced drugs which she had never tried before this is her her last documentary was actually called uh, simply complicated i believe that it came out in 2017 simply complicated that doc wasn't necessarily a good look uh just because in that documentary the one in 2017 uh she talked a lot of good things about her old team her dietitian her life coach her old manager that she said in the documentary that were all helping her get better with her eating disorder and things like that but I mean, she just bears it all in this one. And she basically lets us know that there were a lot of mistruths that she was saying in the old documentary in order to protect certain people. Like, for example, she later let us know that every year for her birthday, they would give her a watermelon cake. So instead of an actual birthday cake, they would make an entire cake out of watermelon and fat-free cream and fat-free whipped cream and never actually let her eat a real cake up until, you know, she changed team, she changed her manager, and she said that most recently when she... Uh, her most recent birthday she got a real real birthday cake and she said that it was her uh, best birthday ever and that she cried and it meant a lot to her you know because before then with their old team they were super super you know rigid and controlling about you know uh making sure that she never had any sweets on the set on any sets like whenever she would go do the ellen show and things like that so she wouldn't have any temptation to gain weight and it was just a very very unhealthy environment and she's even going it's even said that she's going to have a song on her album dancing with the devil called melon cake as sort of a tribute to that which i find um really interesting what i've seen is i've seen the first two out of the four episodes and the first two episodes demi does take a lot of uh self-responsibility of the overdose um, because you get a lot of real raw interviews from her friends and her family around her and everyone just basically says they had no idea more or less what was going on. They knew that she was drinking a little bit, but they didn't know that she was involved with a dealer and how heavy of a drugs that she was, you know, messing around with. And so she was in that they basically all said when Demi really wants to keep a secret, she's really, really good at it. And there's just a lot of a lot of really dark things, a lot of crazy things that happened in her life since 2018 that she's wanted to come out with so she can let people know, you know, it's okay not to be okay. And uh, when she turned 2018, uh, sorry, when she turned 28 not too long ago, her and her uh, current team actually went out of their way to celebrate that particular age because she had made it over the hump 
of the 27 Club. And, you know, for those of you guys who don't know, the 27 Club, for a lot of celebrities, is the age where they end up, you know, falling into demise due to drugs, due to, you know, alcohol. Uh, people like Kurt Cobain, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, Amy Winehouse were all victims of, you know, like dying at the age of 27. And Demi would have very likely have been one of those people themselves if she hadn't you know, gone out of her way to, you know, be open and uh, get help. But there's still two episodes left. Uh, I don't know how it ends yet exactly, but I think that I, I believe her when she said uh, when in all of what she's saying and the fact that she's being very honest, she's being very real. And uh, there's just there's a lot that I didn't mention that goes on in this doc. And it's just just like I mentioned um, earlier about uh, it's agitating sometimes to see so many highlight reels nowadays. It's also very refreshing to see someone like Demi who is not afraid to like put all of themselves out there and make themselves look like make themselves look imperfect and also talk about the nuances of addiction and bipolarism and depression and all the things that go into it because nothing is black and white and uh, she, I think she's showing that very well in this doc so I highly recommend it if you're interested in celebrity culture and things like that or just wanting to know what the real deal of you know what someone with addiction goes through I give it a solid 7 out of 10 Veronica stars if it captures your interest it interest if you're a fan of Demi definitely go check it out I'm definitely gonna check it out because I think it's what well, so some people don't know about me I'll be following these celebrities hard you really do you know I, we you watched really that, do remember, you're, you're such a pop culture fiend Ricardo. I know you remember, you're closeted you love my shit about Miley Cyrus remember some we watched about like Lindsay Lohan and stuff yes. like that those like videos good luck Charlie you live for that shit I don't I've never seen good luck Charlie but no but like the actors and the actresses like the old decom stuff like yeah, you love I'll watch all like that, the where are they the, now the sort Hillary, of thing the Hillary Doves the Lindsay Lohan's mm -hmm. The Molly, Mandy versus Selena Demi when that was happening back in the mm -hmm. mid two thousands. Yeah, I, I, I eat that stuff up. But I'm definitely gonna check this out. I enjoyed the the first documentary. That was very raw of her. And it's funny that you brought up that you know a lot of stuff was like kind of like not true to herself mm -hmm. even then. The watermelon cake thing. Yeah, yeah. and and like I thought she was being completely raw and honest during then. But it's crazy that now you said that that she even she's even like surpass that as far as like her honesty. Yeah, and, and some like people that. are actually the couple of backlashes that she is receiving people are actually saying that you know well if you weren't completely honest in that one how do we expect you to be completely honest in this one you know which you know it's kind of like the nuance of it you know at some point it's just a matter of faith yeah and i, and I hope she you know gets the help that ultimately she needs gets the help that she needs and she mm -hmm. stays on the right path to be this the person that we know she is a very uh talented very successful person mm -hmm. that yeah that deserves to be happy just like uh anybody else um how do you still smoke crack in 2021 i don't know who's giving her the crack i don't know that's what i need to know i don't know like i know that you can i, I don't ask me about drug advice because the, I, I don't got nothing the, for sa you. the same way lamar o o odom was smoking crack in like 2012 i need to know who is this person still serving up crack to to celebrities in 2021 mm -hmm. Give me names. I need to know because if you're still smoking crack in 2021, nothing on you, nothing on Demi. I just need. What to are know. they saying? Are you saying that they're doing drugs wrong, Ricardo? I'm just. They're not doing the drugs correctly. I'm just saying crack went out of style a long time ago. I'm just trying to figure out who. Well, still for her, it was like a cocktail. Like she wanted to mix crack and heroin together because she had never had it either, and she always wanted to try it. 
But anyway, that's getting really dark, really. Uh, but uh, if you want really, really in-depth detail, like sexual assault, all of this, that, and the other, like you guys go catch a dog. It's on, oh, it's uh, a YouTube original. So right now you don't have to pay for it. So it'd be a good chance for you to check out the first two episodes. Yeah, definitely going to check it out. Now, moving on to mine. Mm-hmm. You're looking out. Yes. Um, New show on HBO Max called Generations. The T looks like a plus, plus sign. sign. Yeah. yeah, but I, I, it's pronounced Generations. Looks like your standard, like almost teen drama esque, but very euphoria esque. Almost, maybe? Eh, not so much because it doesn't really deal with a lot of mental health. It, I mean, well, it does in a, in a sense for sure because that's always a big thing to include in your TV shows nowadays. It deals more with the the exploration of sexuality because pretty much I think out of like the main cast, I think like ninety percent of them are some sort of like gay, bi, queer um person binary yeah person and it, it, it it's heavy on that mm-hmm. and i'm like it, it wasn't until like the second episode where i'm like oh this is like pretty much an lgbt type of show mm-hmm. and i know I, I mean I, and i'm here for it. you know i love it because i love seeing that side of television that i normally don't get to see and watching it really took me you know through some um some turns some things were pretty engaging some things were kind of tropey you know even by just just by teen drama standard it has nothing to do with like straight or like hetero homosexual relationship it's just pretty it's teen drama you've seen yeah. teen drama you've seen you've seen them all kind of mm-hmm. um this one had a higher production value and i think some of the the writing was a little bit wittier but other than that it i actually finished it i actually finished it oh you I, finished all the episodes there's only seven How episodes, many episodes were there? seven episodes i um i watched like three yesterday and i finished the remaining four today what'd you think the way it ended it ended on a cliffhanger so i know it's definitely gonna be a season two. Oh, okay but it, it was, um, there's some characters that I care for more than others. So what was it about? Like I said, it's about exploring sexuality a lot. Like, it's really about, it's about like. about kids in high school. And- like, it's about, like, like one of the main characters is named, uh, um, Chester, who's, like, this, uh, like, biracial gay kid mm-hmm. who's, like, going to, like, therapy with, like, his, his, uh, guidance counselor and, like, you know, trying to figure out, like, who he really is, but also, like hiding holding stuff back like his mother recently died but didn't want to talk about that and you know him being kind of like in love with the guidance counselor stuff like that then you have like this like uh super shy latina who her mom just recently got deported but she's also a lesbian so she's like trying to explore that side of her and being like hey i don't have my mom here and i miss her sexuality shout out yeah yeah and like my mom was actually like a complete a-hole so i'm kind of even though i'm sad that she's gone i'm kind of relieved that she's gone because I I can finally like explore who I am kind of thing. That's dope. And there's also what's another? Oh, uh, uh, one guy who thinks he's straight, but he's now having like he's exploring like the his the gay side. He's coming out the closet. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like trying to come to terms with that, and like his parents kind of like not being accepting. So it, it takes a lot of twists and turns, and I like some of the the subjects, some of the themes and subjects they touch on. But overall, I don't think it's anything too crazy. Who Nothing- is your favorite character? The Latina girl, her name's Greta. Uh-huh. Her name's Greta, and then the girl that she really likes, name is Rita. So I, I really like their their dynamic, but I also like the uh the biracial gay character. His name is Chester, and his dynamic with the guidance counselor. I really like them. So it, it's between them. Who was sure. the character that pissed you off the most? Oh, the 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 guy who's uh who realized he's gay or bi. Yeah, uh-huh. he's God. He's so annoying. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Why is he annoying? Just some of the I don't want to spoil it. Just some of the things he do. Some of the choices he makes. Okay. Yeah, and his sister's really annoying too. Mm-hmm. She plays a lot into. Like, These are the twins, right? Yeah, the twins. Yeah, yeah, fraternal twins. Yeah, but yeah, they're they don't do too much for me. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it's a good show. Nothing crazy. Seven, I give it a seven point five out of ten. 
out of 10. And where can you stream this? HBO Max Original. HBO Max Original. HBO Max Original. Okay. All right. Well, you heard it here, mi gente. You have a Dancing with the Devil YouTube original from Demi Lovato. And you have Generation with uh, HBO Max Original. Those are your picks for this week. And that is it for this week, mi gente. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. We love you. We love you. Uh, how do you say we love you in Spanish? Nos. Is it los? Nos? Te amamos. Nos te amamos, te amamos, te amamos. And that is ILS. We out. <laughs>